You seen that clip, right? I did. We talk about that all. Okay, so every time I start a game of Catan with the boys, yeah, we'll go on Discord. Oh yeah, and yeah. they'll be like, "What to do, baby?" Oh, of course. You always say that, especially when we're on Discord. Oh, even when even when we just hang out, we just like pull out the Kawhi Leonard. What to do, baby? <laughs> <laughs> What's good, everyone? This is Anthony, and you're listening to Shout Out to My Teacher. This podcast features a range of different people who share about the teachers, coaches, mentors, and role models that have inspired and influenced them, as well as a range of other topics, whatever catches our attention. In this episode, I had one of the homies on, Connor. He's a line chef, and we go way back. In this episode, he talks about what it's like being a line chef experiences working in different kitchens and he gives a shout out to the mentors and role model in his life including his dad and chef t this episode has a lot of tangents from the grind of culinary school to different experimental recipes to dank smells in the kitchen both of us grew up in richmond bc which is a foodie paradise and for a good part of the episode we talk about our favorite restaurants in richmond if you like this show, you can follow, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow me at Shout to My Teacher. Producing these shows is a highlight of my summer, and it's a blessing to get to do these and learn from a lot of different people. So I hope you enjoy. Connor McInnes. Dude. Mr. B. Yeah, what's good? Oh, we chilling, man. This what it do, baby? What it do? What it do? What it do? All right, right off the bat, what makes a good day a good day? Oh, man, that, uh, that's a really good question, actually. Yeah, I know, been- like... This actually goes basically towards everybody that works in the kitchen because everyone wants to start off great. You know, you walk in, you're all ready to go. The first thing you see, especially when it comes to, you know, setting up the line, you got all your equipment in your stock. Uh, the one most important thing that really sets that day is seeing everything set up for you. Like, you know, they have that set up in a bowl for you to put into the, all your inserts of sauces or whatnot. You don't mm. have to worry about going walking back and forth to another location to try and find all that because you know all these equipments they're put into bins and sure they can be organized but it's a little hard to you know get that going while you got a lot of things on your mind where it's like okay i gotta stock this i gotta stock that so basically what the nice thing to do or the nice thing to see is is that you know you got all everything stocked up there's not really much to uh think about to grab right off the bat because you know, you, you, you're limited on time. Yeah. The moment you start, yeah. you're given like roughly two hours before the whole restaurant opens up, you know? Mm. So it's you, like you got to come in. I love coming in and your workspace is clean and absolutely. tidy. Absolutely. Clean, tidy. Everything's already like put into place from what you're expected to see. Yeah. That's a, you know? that's a sign of adulting. When, you, yeah. when you're a kid, you're like, you come home and it's messy, it's messy. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But when you come home when you're an adult and you see everything just nice and organized and you know where everything is, it's such a good feeling. Oh, totally. So that makes it good. It starts at the beginning of the day. What makes a good day a good day in the life of a line chef? Well, your space is nice and clean and orderly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It says a tone because, hey, I see it all the time where, you know, someone will walk in and they'll be like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And then that, that's already on their mind and that sets the tone for them. It's just like, you know, it just it limits productivity. If all your crap's all over the place. Yeah. Because you got to be you got to be really on your game when you're back in the kitchen and oh, everything's got to be You're there. multitasking. You're like multitasking. Crazy. So what are the essentials that you keep around you? Like equipment-wise? Equipment-wise, yeah. Oh, you know, you got your cutting board, you got your knives, you got steel just in case if your knife dolls out in yeah. any kind of way. Um, and uh, cooking tongs, you know? Like just like, yeah, so you have your set like things like 
everything's in your set space, but people will come around and screw around with your space sometimes. Eh? Sometimes, yeah. If someone, yeah. If, the thing is, because people can see uh, the schedule ahead of time yeah. and see who else is working on those days. Right. So uh, just just to bug people, like they'll be like, oh, I got, I want to mess this guy up sometimes just because like <laughs> either they'll be buddy buddies and it's kind of like a good laugh in the end. Yeah. Um, so like sometimes people will sabotage by either leaving a pickle in like a little cup and it's out in the open. So it creates some weird smell. In the end. So people will open up the door and be like, oh, what the fuck? Kind of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, you know, I got another one where uh, one guy, because we get, we get a lot of food ordered by bulk, right? So yeah. for example, we'll get like a six liter tub of pickles, for yeah. example. Um, normally when that bin gets emptied, you, you're responsible for getting rid of it and putting it into the, into the garbage bin area. Yeah. Um, but sometimes what people will do is, uh, leave the liquid. So it feels like there's some pickles in there mm-hmm. and leave one, one single pickle in there and then close the lid so that the next person that will take that bin and be like, Oh crap, this is uh, quite heavy. Nice. I can stock what I need and then bring it back. So the moment they take it out and they open that lid, they'll be like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> now I got to deal with dra- draining this, oh, putting it, going no. outside to the compound or compost and, uh, yeah, pretty much waste another five minutes when they got a lot of things else on their mind. And you go to compost and that's a dank smell. Oh yeah. You oh, know, you got pickles sitting out for a dude. little bit. It's like, yeah, you don't want to smell that one. What's the dankest smell you've seen? In the kitchen, or you've you've kind of seen Honestly, these days. Bad chicken, bad chicken, if spoiled chicken. It's raw and it's been out oh for. Lord. It's been uh, spoiled for a couple of days, and you know you can't use it, of course. If because you know as chefs, before you even throw things out, you got to smell it, right? Yeah, and you got to dive your nose in pretty close, right? And right. You got to take a big whiff. The second you do that with bad chicken, oh, game over. That's a that's a dank smell. It's bad. It's oh, bad. I, I wouldn't recommend chicken. you even trying it if you're curious enough. Oh, uh, <laughs> part of me, I can smell it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if I, I, if I were to think compare about it. it to something, it would be like rotten eggs, basically. Oh, geez, but worse. Pretty much, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Those rotten eggs. Yeah. What's some other really dank smells you've seen in the kitchen? You know, I've not seen you've smelt in the kitchen. Oh, bad. You know, anything that's raw that's been sitting out for a long time, like even fish, like, yeah, yeah. you know, dealing with uh, spoiled trout that's been dried up. Oh, Lord. You know, it's, nothing is bad or worse than that, man. Like... <laughs> I like <laughs> describing the smell. It's so bad to the point where you can't even compare it to anything. It's right. Just, it's just a bad smell, and the fir- first reaction is just to jump away and almost like hold your gag reflex. That's like how I feel about out houses when you're out hiking. Sometimes, yeah. Like, oh yeah, outhouses. That's a. I guess that's a pretty good comparison. At, to, the, at the beginning of the that. day, usually they're fine and clean when you go during early in the morning. But it still has that off smell. It has that off smell. Yeah. But after a while, like. As the day goes on and people are using it, you can really just, like, it's dank. Yeah, 100%. Any kind of food left out, man. Just get rid of it. Can you imagine if this podcast included a, what's olfactory? Is that the smell thing? Like a a smell, a smell sensation. Like technology, we come to the point where you can smell things when you're, like a multimedia sensation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can, you know, on movies and VR, we can see Mm -hmm. video and... Uh, and here, what if we get to the point where you can smell as well? Like they include something so you can smell in a video game. That'd be kind of crazy. That would, that would blow you know? my mind. Cause then I feel like if, if you, if you have that kind of option, then you can almost smell literally anything. You can create different ty- kinds of smells. Yeah. You know, you can just throw things together. You'd, you'd abuse yeah. the game. You combine engines. certain things like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> just you to know? see what happens. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. That's a, that's a day, a good, a good day in the life of a line yeah. cook. Honestly, like 
at the yeah, beginning. Exactly, because in the end, you got to think about it. It's hard labor, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you get into the rush. Like it's you got to expect that you're going to be busy. You're going to be sweating. Yeah, it's hot. So honestly, it's very important to make sure that like in for one person's day to start out really well, which will basically their their productivity will keep going until the end of their shift is yeah. when they walk into a nice clean station thing like stock levels at least 80 percent for them so it takes them the last or the next hour to basically get everything done in that hour and then they got the next less mm-hmm. or leftover time before we open to you know ensure that they're ready to go yeah. for the rush and uh you also i guess at the end of the day you just start to prepare for the next day, make sure it's all clean and yeah, ready. pretty much. Because like you know, compare, uh, you got day shifts and you got night shift, right? right? So uh, you gotta leave it clean for the next person. Yeah. So we got a thing called uh, crossover time, which is basically the uh, the starting times uh, for the night sh- night team. Yeah. And uh, they'll t- start by around two or three or four, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the time where you want to make sure, um, or that's also the time where um, you know. The rush isn't too crazy. When when are the rushes usually for? Uh, usually, you know, people like for to go to the yeah. restaurant about half an hour after it opens. You know, yeah. But that can also vary depending on what kind of day. Is it a holiday? Is it a, just an ordinary day? Is it a weekend? Um, it all varies. Mm-hmm. But I would say a good half hour to an hour after we've opened is when you get quite a bit of people walking. And the slowest days are like your Tuesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I would say usually weekdays in a way because everyone's busy with work. Everyone's busy with work. And they, yeah. yeah, okay. And that's oh, just that's mainly for the day side though because everyone can make time at the night. Okay, so this is something I I think would be worthwhile to ask. But you know how if you've worked in, in inside the restaurant, you know what the inside is like and you know how operations run. Mm-hmm. What are things that you wish people who never worked in the restaurant industry, what are things they should know? like tips and advice to get the most out of a restaurant experience that way while working in a kitchen well f- that they would not know working in the kitchen uh to be honest you just gotta bite your tongue to a lot of things and the best thing you can do is just stay on the ball of what you got going on for yourself like it could lead to anything like if you're put on the line and you're expected to be dealing with a rush of certain bills right. and the, your expectation before even learning that station is to already master what goes in those dishes. Yeah. And uh, the most important thing when it comes to making the dishes is bill times. Right. So there's a really high expectation to for execution. So you just, you got to really know your recipes beforehand. You got to know your recipes before you do Do they do send it. you the recipes they online do. or ask uh, you to master it at home beforehand or they yeah, teach they you how to you fly? Just, so basically what they do is um, before even learning a station, they'll give yeah. you a handbook for mm-hmm. that station specifically, okay. learning every dish that you're dealing with, all the products and everything. Yeah. And uh, after you've give, or you're giving yourself a couple of days to study that material, uh, you'll be given a test and mm-hmm. you got to pass that test 100%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so once you get pass the test 100% then you can actually start working then in the you kitchen. can work on the station is it a rigorous hard thing or is it pretty it can easy? be but what I would really recommend too is just learning your station where everything is because you know you you got when it comes to stations online like you got quite a bit of space and normally it's one person on that station you're yeah. on your own until you, it comes to the point where you need someone to help you and what stations have you been on I've been on all stations. All I've, stations. I've done apps. I've done oh, salads. What's your, what's your favorite station? Oh, entree by far. Entree? Yeah. Okay. So, oh, that's like the main course. Yep. That's, ah, that's okay. all the main yeah, course. Yeah, that's all the main course. Yeah. Okay. Dude, thanks for explaining. Yeah, absolutely. What's man. a good day in the day of a line chef? No problem. Connor McInnes, everyone. Connor is one of the homies. Glad to be here. <laughs> Yo, can I tell them the story of how we met? Absolutely. Okay. So, I actually 
met his house first before I met him. <laughs> I actually forgot about that yeah, for a yeah, second yeah. here. I'm going to tell the story. So this is how we, how we met each other, okay? Um, in my summers uh, in university, I worked as a painter, a house painter, and one of the jobs we had happened to be Connor's place. Right of all houses of all houses. So I was the guy who did all this, who who was up on the roof spray painting and giving it this nice. I guess it's brown look now. I don't even remember. Yeah, it's got a, it's like a tan color. Yeah, this nice tan color, and it was a big house. Your dad was the nicest dude ever. Like yeah. he even bought us drinks and bought us Bob sandwiches. Bob hey, Subs. Remember Bob shout Subs out to Bob sandwiches. <laughs> they're, they're, they're closed down. Bob Subs. Okay, for oh. those who don't know who what's a, Bob Subs. If you lived in Richmond, yes. If you lived in the Richmond through the 90s, 2000, maybe 80s, 80s to 2000s, they closed down in like 2014 or something. 2014, 2015 time. Yeah, yeah. they closed down. But they had the greatest subs ever. Oh, by far. And your dad bought us Bob's subs for lunch. Nice. And some drinks. He knows what's up. He knows what's up. (laughs) He knows what's up. Shout out to Bob's subs. We miss you. Greatest restaurant. Come back, please. Come back, please. Please come back. Um, But yeah, so... He'd buy us there. And so I painted your house. And then uh, Anita, who's hanging out with here right, right here with us right now, socially mm-hmm. distanced, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, Six feet, guys. <laughs> but she started dating you. Yeah. And then you had a house party at your place. And as soon as I entered out, entered in the house, I started freaking out and running all over the place. I was like, yo, I painted this. I did this spot. I know that spot. I knew that spot. I remember that one for sure. I did. I did. The door frame here. I climbed on your roof, and I just went to. I even went to this, to different parts where I know that we kind of didn't do such a good spot. And I pointed to you. We didn't do a great spot here. You can check under the stucco here, and it's kind of underpainted. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but that's awesome. That's how we met. Yeah. And now we're just one of the homies. One of the homies. And so thank you for coming on to talk about uh, coming to the podcast again. Shout out to my teacher. It's it's not just a teacher podcast. It's a it, it's at the core of it. It's a podcast to talk about the people who have influenced us. So primarily I have a lot of teachers because I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. But I just like to get, the, I want to get the homies here. There's a lot Absolutely. of friends I just want to get on here, like you and other people out there. Well, this is a cool experience, you know? Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, what I actually meant about what makes a good day a good day is um, what, like if you're not working, what's a good day? What's a good day on a day off? On a day off. That's what we're thinking of, but we'll come back to that. Sure. (laughs) You know what this show is about. This show is called Shout Out to My Teacher. This is a show about the teachers, coaches, mentors, role models that inspired and influenced you. Connor, you work as a line chef, but you also help your dad's business um, as a piano moving, in the piano moving company, right? Yeah, that's correct. So who do you want to give the shout outs out to? Oh, I got a shout out to my dad, of course. Shouts out to Connor's dad, if you're listening. Absolutely. Tell me about why you're shouting him out. Oh, he's a he's a man of all trades in a way. You know, mm-hmm. you can see him. You just see him work, do his daily thing, and then you know he's the handyman. He knows how to handle people in general when it comes to just like certain deals or just helping people in general. You know, like nice. I can't. I, it's hard to elaborate a little bit because there's so many different things happening. Because you know he's a type. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. He's the type of oh, person yeah. who will help people, um, who are obviously nice back. You know. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's just the way he works, you know? And so when you look at your dad as a role model, what are the qualities that you see you have from him? I would say uh, outgoing in a way. Always 
has always has a smile, you know. Yeah, brings up a lot of positivity when mm-hmm. it comes to literally anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Shouts out to Connor's Shouts dad. Shouts out to the dad. And tell him thank you for the Bob subs all the way back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, if he remembers, <laughs> I don't know he'll if he'll be remember. like, "Oh, that happened." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you remember. I think I introduced him myself to him as one of the painters, and he remembered it probably. But I never actually told him, "Hey, thank you for the Bob subs." <laughs> okay, anyone else you want to give a shout out to? Um, I gotta say, one of the chefs that I worked with, my first chef I worked with actually, okay. for the first restaurant. Um, yeah. am I allowed chef- to say his name? If you think he's comfortable with it. I'll just say chef. <laughs> shout, right, out shout to, to chef. chef. Shout out to chef. Yeah. Uh, what's his initial? Uh, T. Shout out to chef T. Yeah. Okay. What what made chef T awesome? Um, he was literally one of very few chefs that I uh, worked with. Um, that was just very instructive and uh, very educated in the culinary world. Mm-hmm. Where um, he would literally give you so many different details on. Uh, specific things that you're doing especially when working with him in the restaurant he'll just go down to every little details with prepping with right. cooking um, how you're supposed to be uh, trained in a kitchen when it comes mm-hmm. to point a to all the way to cooking on the line starting mm-hmm. from dish doing prep uh, closing a station right all that and uh, it got me a really big insight from that so like literally chatting with him for uh, about a week while working um basically basically got all the gears grinding you kind of need those mentors who are willing to put in the time in a new workplace to show you the ropes absolutely and those are few and far in between to come find because everyone's so busy at work anyway they might not necessarily have the time to even think of the newbies and help them out exactly and this is what i noticed too he took the extra step yeah yeah so shouts out to chef t chef t Chef T, and I guess he was an amazing cook as well. Oh, he was great. Yeah, he was yeah. really good. Everybody that worked uh, there with him always respected him. Yeah, yeah. What are the things that made him respected? Um, I would say he was very assertive, but he worked really hard. Mm. Uh, he always showed the work for sure. So that's one big thing to respect because, uh, you know, you can always work with someone uh, who is in a higher position and you don't really see them do much, and you kind of personally feel that you're doing a lot yourself. Mm. And you f- you find that uh, you might want to de- deserve more respect than what you're really getting. Yeah. So uh, seeing an actual mentor and a, an actual employer uh, to work as hard as you, if not more, uh, right. really shows a lot of respect. Yeah. I was just watching a, a video. I don't remember what it was, but it was about leadership and respect. Mm-hmm. And part of uh, gaining respect uh, from people around you is that if you're going to give them a hard and tough task, you better be willing to do it yourself as well Absolutely. with them. Yeah. And so Chef T strikes me as the kind of guy who who did the dirty work with you as 100%. well. Instead of just telling you, do this, do that, and then went out and chilled. Exactly. No, so he, he did the grind with you as well. Yeah. Well, that's so good. Yeah, it's really cool. Really that's cool experience. Cool. One of the best for sure. Yeah. So tell me about the different places that you worked at now as a line chef. Uh, well, f- from coming from my first restaurant, which was basically one of the biggest experiences I had working in a kitchen because that's what uh, really got you into in depth with uh, getting down and dirty with your work. Yeah. And uh, starting from scratch from everything versus, you know, getting certain product that can be pre-made in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's almost like shortcutting it versus starting from raw material and creating something from scratch. Wait, so your first place was this 
Everything was from scratch. Everything was from scratch. Everything from, was from scratch, and that's okay. where you can really learn what, a lot of cool what kind things. of what kind of food did this specialized place specialize? It was Mediterranean. In? Okay, Mediterranean yeah. food. Yeah, and that was one really cool thing because uh, coming from you know work or going into a a school, usually you learn classic French cuisine or Western cuisine. Yeah, you don't really get in, into all the other cool cuisines that are out there in the world that uh, take time to really learn. Okay, so and, let's, let's pause for a second there. Sure. So going to line chef school. You learned the classics. So, what are the considered the classics cuisines that everyone learns in school? Uh, I would say uh, basically it all starts too from the basics. You know, you okay. can go down from baking bread to making oh, simple I sauces, yeah. and all that comes from French cuisine because that's where it all mainly originated from. Hmm. Um, that's what a lot of people think too. But you know, it can go. It's very diverse. It can go either way from different countries too, right? But uh, from what everyone else knows, it's French cuisine, French dining, fine dining. Mm. That's like the fancy way of putting culinary arts into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like learning the basics, uh, even making stocks, like that's all the training in the schools. That's what you're learning at first. And then from there on out, you're diving more deeper into different types of foods. Okay. But then when you came out of culinary school, you went into Mediterranean. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I gotta learn Mediterranean cuisine. Yeah, but uh, I also, to be honest, uh, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have even heard of this restaurant unless it was uh, my um, uh, school teacher. Oh. Uh, long story short, uh, obviously, I was interested in cooking prior to actually getting into a job into it. Yeah. And there was a program in grade twelve where you were able to go from one school to another mm-hmm. um, to learn culinary arts. Right. And uh, by the end of that uh, year the teacher would help provide you with a job for restaurants that are hiring. Yeah. And at first it would, would be volunteer work hours. Oh, okay. So it would okay, be unpaid. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that was the requirement for getting into the college mm-hmm. of uh, culinary arts. You needed a minimum of 200 hours of volunteer. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's a lot. That's. Wow. How many days is that? That was a lot. That's, I think. That's like uh, almost a month. Yeah. I was basically work. working full time. Um, hour wise, I was getting eight hour shifts, uh, three times a week while in school. That's the requirement in culinary school yeah, now. Holy, it was. Whoa. Yeah. But that's what really made my eyes open up a little bit because, you know, like a lot of people know, uh, working in a kitchen, um, uh, it's not really a high paying job. Yeah. Uh, from the get go, you have to build, you have to work your way up and in, into finally getting what can be reasonable to live off of. Mm. Um, but that takes, that's a long grind, right? Yeah. So uh, really seeing that and also knowing that the first 200 hours I was, of work that I was doing was not paid, it was all volunteering, really opened my eyes into, into thinking like, okay, so if this is what I really want to do as a career, I got to work my way up as fast as I can. Yeah. I got to learn as fast grind. as I can. It's a grind. 100%. Wow. So it's, yeah, you got to bite your tongue a lot uh, with, this, uh, with this job, which is why... Um, you know, it's something to get into if you're really passionate about. You know, you gotta work for sure. You really work. Your, that's crazy. Yeah. And he's in the corner, like nodding, like, "Yep, yep." She knows. She's seen the <laughs> amount of grind and work, the late hours, the wee morning. Oh, the late hours, man. But hey, the one thing I gotta add on when it comes to the late hours is, especially when you got a really cool crew you're working with. Yeah. It can be really fun. Oh. It can be so much fun. Just hang out with them. Yeah. And... Once the kitchen or once the restaurant died down a bit and you only got a couple bills coming in here and there, um, 
and you just got your closing duties happening, you're just chilling, you're listening to music, you're having a good time for the next few hours until you're close up. You get the you get the food also, right? Whatever extras. How's time that to work? time, you know. Time time. Uh, the cool thing about the first restaurant I worked with, um, there after the rush that we would have, there would be a bit of leftover scripts uh, that we can use instead of trashing, mm-hmm. and then we would just use our imaginations to make anything cool. Oh, and cool! Nine out of ten of the times, it would be crazy food that we've never tasted before, and then we're just like, "Holy crap, this is amazing!" Oh, tell me, tell me some of the wildest concoctions you made based on out of food scraps late night. Oh, dude, like I gotta say, like uh, especially working in a Mediterranean restaurant, you're dealing with a lot of seafood. Yeah. So we got crab, you got lobster, you got so many different types of fishes that yeah, you yeah. got. And so... Uh, Describe any, a dish. Describe a dish. Oh, like we have... There's a crab cake dish on the restaurant uh, mm-hmm. menu. And uh, of course, with uh, being the restaurant that wants top quality graded food, um, obviously you can't have any leftovers for the next day. Right. You got to use up what you got. If not, it's going to waste. Mm-hmm. And in your, that waste is recorded. Um but for the most part, a lot of people don't like to throw away the food. Mm-hmm. They like to obviously eat it. Mm-hmm. So they got something to eat at the end. So uh, one of the craziest things was, of course, the crab. You know, crab's yeah. expensive. So we got to experience uh, making our own crab cakes from scratch, Ooh. making some uh, really cool uh, dips with crab, mm-hmm. um, and just eating that with French bread. Oh, just going to town. Oh, that sounds so delicious. It's amazing. It's a good thing we're going out uh, for happy hour. Oh, yeah. We will. <laughs> we're going to get hungry. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting hungry just talking to you right now. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> when it comes to talking to food, you can talk all day about it. And uh, right away, when you even if you've eaten like five minutes ago, you'll be like, okay, I'm going okay. for some more. <laughs> all right. You want to you hear uh, a thought I had about hiking that I've heard that was really funny that relates to food? Let's see. Okay. So, you know how people, when they're on a hike and they're kind of tired, you know how they've mentally given up? Mm-hmm. is when they start yep. talking about food. I got a prime example on my left. She's right here, <laughs> just pointing at herself. So it's like, you're. let's say you're going up, um, what's a good example? Up Garibaldi to Garibaldi Lake. Yeah. And your Garibaldi Lake is a amazing hike in BC. Uh, but to get up there, it's a lot of switchbacks. It takes about two hours to get up. Yeah. So it's a grind. It's a grind going up. You're just going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll know that people are tired and they want to give up when they start talking about food. So then they'll start bringing up, oh, dude, you know what's really good food? Uh, the sushi place that just opened down the road and people start chirping in conversations. Yeah, That's when you know that person's tired Almost and giving losing up a little it bit. Yeah. and they're giving up a bit when they start talking about food. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. You're, you're tricking your mentality a little bit. You're not focused on the hike anymore. You're focused on wanting to eat something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's happening. You eat, start talking about food during a hike. You you know you've been beat. Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds amazing. All the, the food you're being... This is the first place with the Greek and Mediterranean place. Yeah. And one thing that was really cool about it too, which was, I got to say, it was the only restaurant that I worked at where... Um, every week would be a new feature of a food. Right. Uh, the chef and the team, um, that was there full time because I was only there two to three times a week. I wouldn't yeah. really get to see what they're brainstorming about. Yeah. You'd always see a new dish that would pop up on the market that would be featured. Ooh. And that was really cool to see. Okay. So, um, does, and then, does a um, does a management or the main chefs ever take? some of the dishes that you guys concoct late at night and decide to make, hey, this is really good. We should make it ourselves. No, because the chef would be gone by then. Oh. Yeah. He'd be I the see. one that would be there during the opening and yeah. stay till around uh, six. Okay. Six to seven. Okay. Yeah. 
and then the rest would be up to the rest of the team. That would be there for the closing. Mm, okay. Oh, he's trying to protect the integrity of his job, right? Yeah. Because he's the one coming up with it. Okay, so he started, he went to a Mediterranean place, and then? And then after that, uh, I kind of wanted to try different uh, type of uh, restaurants out there. So, um, you know, th- you may think of this as like a little bit of a of a downgrade, but uh, I ended up working at um, a pub. Yeah. And but that the thing is that was a pretty cool experience too. Yeah. You know, cuz uh first of all, working at the time I was not 19. I was mm-hmm. actually 17. Uh so obviously you won't be able to go into the actual bar itself. Whoa, wait. So you started a Mediterranean restaurant young then? Oh yeah. I was oh, 16. Dude, you were 16 and then you started working the line chef in a pub at 17. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But I that's pretty cool, you know, that's because awesome. be, at that point, you know, you're really young. You're working in a pub, you know, you got the people that you're working with are definitely in their 20s at the very least, you know, 20s to even 40s. Yeah. But uh, that's a really cool thing because you get to experience different people and Mm. their different, their lifestyles, how they are and how they act, you know, so it really builds your character and it matures you a little bit in a way. You ever see those people and it's like, man, I kind of want to be like you when you're older or I don't want to be like you at all. Exactly. (laughs) Prime example was the second restaurant I went to. Oh, that's great. (laughs) <laughs> okay dude i have to i have to be real though pub food it's different pub food's amazing though. it's actually it's really good it's underrated yeah it is underrated but what makes it good too though what makes it good majority of it is deep fried yeah exactly <laughs> deep fried and cheese yeah like nachos exactly oh yeah i can't i want some night now i'm sure we'll get some happy yeah night. okay so if you if you went to a pub what's your go-to pub foods uh what we had there specifically uh, that was really good. Was our um, Philly cheesesteak sandwich, mm. and the one thing that was really good though that we actually didn't put on it was uh, one of the other cooks' ideas because we had a uh, a peppercorn sauce that would go on the steak that was on the menu. Yeah, but you add that into the sandwich. Oh mm-hmm. my god, it was so good. Ooh. So it gets it really nice and saucy. Oh, <laughs> that's, sounds so fire! Oh, dude, fire! I'm else mouthing right now. <laughs> mm. Okay, okay. And then uh, from the pub, you started going to? Uh, after working at the pub, I was there for about seven months. And then that's what uh, caught my attention to the third restaurant I worked at, which I'm still at. You're still to at. To this day. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. shouts out to your coworkers out there making the good, oh, doing, shout them doing, out. The, doing the good deed and providing us all good food. Yep. On the regular. On the regular. Mm, okay. So, all right. We're both Richmond boys. Yes. Okay, and at the core of this this episode, I I just really want to talk about how much we love Richmond. Sure, this is funny because Richmond is a uh, demographically Richmond is has the highest Asian population in all of Canada. Canada, like it's yes. like eighty percent. Yes of immigrants and so it's like a filipino dude and a white dude talking about how much they love richmond and i don't even li- i don't even live in richmond anymore but i still love it but you love it you grew up there i grew up there it's yeah. it's still home like it's funny because i'll tell people um outside of richmond yeah i'm from richmond like i'm proud of that yeah but i'll tell people when i'm in richmond oh i i grew up in richmond like i'm proud of it but yeah. i moved away so like you know you kind of want to seem cool if you're from Oh, exactly. Away. This is my but, hometown. But Richmond's still home. So we got to... You You do one. I'll do one. Your go-to spots in Richmond. Go-to spots. Go-to spots, okay? And that could be anything, though, eh? Anything. Oh. Anything as long as it's Richmond. You go, you, you, you go with the one uh, uh, 
tell everyone about one of the spots, why you love it, what's good there. Then I'll say a spot and I'll tell everyone why I like it and what's good there. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to go to the one that I'm sure everyone's aware of, you know, Steveston. It's very iconic, uh, beautiful place. You know, you got your ocean view. You got so many different areas to look around. You got Gary Point. Gary Point. Yeah. You got areas in Gary Point specifically where you can just hang out with a group of friends. Yeah. Uh, Have a fire, chill. This is going to be great for people who are listening and they want to take friends out who are out of town to show them around Richmond. Totally. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Yeah. You know. Okay. With Steveston. What's a spa in Steveston? A spot in Steveson? Yeah, the, the restaurant. We're talking restaurants. Oh, restaurants. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, I know we're talking with Steveson's awesome, but the spot, the rest, this, the restaurant in Steveson. Like, I, you share one restaurant, I share one restaurant. Okay. Yeah. That's see. what I mean by spots, restaurants. Okay. All right. <laughs> I got to brainstorm a little bit here. I got to think about it because there is a lot of good ones there that I've been to. Um, What's the fish and, place shape? fish and chips place? Uh, the, uh, Pajos. Pajos. That's a really good one. Shouts out to Pajos. Shouts out to Pajos. But the hatch, man. The hatch? Or is it the catch? The catch. The catch. Yes, that's the one. That's another really good place. Plus, you get a really good view when you're at the top. Oh, that has an upstairs restaurant, yeah, right? upstairs restaurant. Oh. You get a nice big view of the ocean mm. and just enjoy the time. Okay. That's dope. Yeah. Okay. I'll do a restaurant now. Tell then me. you do a restaurant, then we'll just take turns. Sure. Okay. Um, shouts out to Kokoroo. Ooh. Shouts out to Kokoroo. Kokoroo is a place on Alexandra Road. Alexandra Road is this... Uh, road in Richmond where a lot of different restaurants are located. Ooh. Like all the Asian uh, cuisine variety are all there. And Kokuru is fr- specializes in Korean fried chicken and beer. Yes. You can't go wrong with Korean you fried chicken. You can't go wrong with that. Oh, You know, once I discovered Korean fried chicken, this was like maybe, what, three years ago maybe? Had yeah. it for the first time. Oh my God. Never thought I've had any, I never tasted anything like it. You know, you got boneless chicken. It just melts in your mouth the second you dive into it. Which is interesting because usually meat that's closest to the bone is the one the tastiest, that's tastiest, right? but they make boneless chicken. Yeah. Um, juicy and oh, yeah. delicious. And the, the one thing that I noticed uh, what makes it so tasty too is like they're not using just white meat. They yeah. also specifically using the chicken thigh, which oh, is more on the fattier side, okay, yeah, more yeah. flavor. Yeah. And that's what really makes it melt in your mouth in yeah. a way. Yeah. Because the fat comes from the flavor. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Or it carries a flavor. It carries a flavor. Yeah. Okay. So, shouts out to Kokuru. Shouts out to Kokuru. Your turn. All right. I got to shout out a restaurant that I've only been once, but was probably one of the best experiences I've had. And it's uh, a French restaurant called Le Crocodile. And Le that's Crocodile? in Where's Vancouver that? on Burrard Street. We're talking about Richmond. Oh, we're talking about Richmond. Keep it to Richmond. (laughs) Keep it to Richmond. Shit. Okay. (laughs) Keep it to Richmond. (laughs) I got lost. I was trying to think about a restaurant here, and I got to say that was one of the best ones. Keep it to Richmond. So, Richmond. Uh, I got to say, you know. That's so funny, but shouts out to La Croc. Tell me about La Crocodile, then we'll keep it to Richmond. Sure, sure, sure. Keep it to Richmond. (laughs) But like I said, I've only been there once, but (laughs) the one really cool thing about it was that uh, they had a lot of diverse dishes and they'd always have a new feature every week yeah so uh getting to experience a restaurant that uh changes their menu every week was really cool and uh getting to experience like a gamey food like venison which comes from a deer Ooh. or and also having like a souffle at the end mm. like those things 
so delicious. Oh, that sounds so good. But going back to Richmond. Yeah, back to <laughs> shouts out to La Crocodile yeah. and Burrard Street. Uh, we got we got a shout out. Uh, we got a shout out Matsuyama man. Matsuyama. Matsuyama. Matsuyama is so good. You cannot go wrong. They always got their cheaper deals at late night, especially when you got your buddies that are able to meet up late night and have a good time. Yeah, because they have some. Talks. They do like nine p.m.s. Yeah, nine p.m. Easy, cheap meals. Cheap meals. So I've good. I've joined you guys uh, for a couple times because I know yeah. you guys used to go on the regular nine p.m. Yep. Pre-COVID, of course. Pre-COVID, yeah. Pre-COVID, of course. They do the nine p.m. Everything's half off. Japanese cuisine, sushis. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just, I guess it was good because it's just cheap. Pretty much. You can't <laughs> you, go wrong with cheap you, you food that tastes great. can't go wrong with cheap food that tastes great. Exactly. Yeah. So, shouts out to? Shouts Man. out to Matsu, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got one. Let's hear it. Shouts out to Flying Beaver. Ooh, that's a good one. Flying Beaver. That's a good Flying one. Flying Beaver is actually on the airport island whatever that little yeah, island's called just, yeah i think it, it's really close to the airport and you're just going off to the side yeah. right by the water front so you don't it's like you're driving there you don't go to the terminal but you go to no. the other terminal where the small planes and helicopters go exactly. and it's this little place that's waterfront yes and they just sell classic canadian fare and pub food but it's just right by the river you can see the planes go by if you got the right spot and yep. it's, just, it's just a vibe there it is a vibe it's 100%. a vibe it's 100%. a vibe so Shouts out to Flying Beaver. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, your turn. All right. Uh, I got a shout out to uh, a nice little place called Abasha. They got great donairs and falafels. Where's that? It's actually just in uh, the Garden City Plaza. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah. next to that uh, sushi place. Yeah. So Richard, who was just on the podcast uh, oh, yeah? a couple episodes ago, yeah, he, he was telling me about that place. No kidding. And then after, we actually went to another donair place just down the road in in the White in White Rock, South Surrey area. Nice. But Albasha. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I, I got to recommend that to you guys. Anybody who hasn't tried that yet, I would recommend it. Yeah. What I love about Richmond is that because it's so high, has the highest... Uh... See, what I love about Richmond is because it's so multicultural and so varied and has the highest immigration rate um, in all of Canada. Yeah. Has such a wide variety of restaurants and different places to check out. Like it's its own gem in itself. Oh, absolutely! Like Vancouver's has a lot of amazing things, but Richmond is just it's very diverse. It's very, it's it's very Asian diverse as well. Yeah, it's Asian diverse, but it's its own little gem, and there's so many little gems there. Absolutely, Albasha's one of them. Albasha's one okay. of them. Okay, you got Albasha. Okay, shouts out to. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do the whole Johan Center. Uh, the whole Johan Center. Johan Center. <laughs> Johan Center is. Uh, a mall. Yes. Um, in in Richmond, it's like it's an older mall. Uh, it was like Aberdeen before okay. Aberdeen existed, and they have a food court there. And since we, I lived up growing up, I grew up near there. My dad would often get dinner there. Nice. So we just go around to the different uh, Chinese fast food places there, and just pick and point. Uh, ten dollar dishes. Yeah, bring them home, and we just cook some steamed rice, and that's it. That's awesome. But Johan Center Food Court has everything and anything, and it's delicious, and they're all good. Actually, and I can recommend that too. <laughs> yeah, you 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 roll with that place as well. Absolutely. The nice thing too about the food court, and specifically that place, you know, you got so many different cuisines. Yeah, you know, it can even though it's uh, mainly Asian food, you got so many different selections. It's it's not even that 
populated anymore. Like, it's no, pretty I quiet know. there. People don't know about it. That's true. I think people have forgotten that this place exists. Johan Center has yeah, existed. Yeah, been there once, and then that's it. Yeah. I used to, we used to go there and roll with that place all the time. Oh, I know. You Johan can't go Center. Shouts out to Johan Center. Shout out. Yeah. I got one more for you. Okay. Last one. I got a shout out to uh, Deer Garden. Deer Garden? Yeah. Deer Garden yeah, yeah, yeah. is one of those uh, Asian restaurants where uh, they specialize in noodle soup. And uh, you, it's those, where is it? It's um on Capstone Way, in yeah. Richmond, and uh, the place. It's a type of restaurant where you know you got various types of broths, noodles, meats, you name it. Yeah, you can just literally go to town to do whatever you want, create your soup. Um, but they also have a set menu, of course, too, where they got uh, uh, baked pasta dishes, rice dishes, you name it, and all of them looks amazing. Okay, so the idea of baked rice dishes with cheese. Yes. Basically like a casserole. It's like a casserole. Way. It's such a weird idea though. It is. It like is. cheese and rice. Yeah. But that very place, comforting though. It that place makes it good. It's like soul Cantonese food. Yes. That's that's it right it Actually, is. Actually, soul food, but Cantonese. Exactly. Oh, so good. I can keep going. I'm gonna go I know, one more. I can I'm gonna keep, keep going. going All right. <laughs> Shouts out to uh Continental. Nice. Dim sum. Dim sum. Yep. Dim sum. Uh can you explain what dim sum is for the people who don't know what it is? Uh I mean I'm gonna explain it as best as I can too because you know it's uh, it's basically a dumpling in a way, but dim- I would say the name, the word dim sum is uh, basically like brunch. Yeah, in an Asian way. Um, and Cantonese is that a Cantonese word, right? I think so. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not too educated. In <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're not the best people to talk about yeah. it. But anyway, dims. Yeah. Shouts out to Continental for dim sum. Absolutely, one of the best places yeah. too in Richmond here. Yeah. Nice. Okay. You want me to shout out one yeah, more? Yeah, one more, one more. All right, if all right. Keep going. All right. Um. Okay, let's see. I got a lot here too, but uh, I guess to pick pinpoint one of them would be uh, ginger Indian cuisine. I love myself a really good butter chicken. I yeah. have to say that because, uh, you know, growing up, um, I actually never had a lot of experience eating Indian food in general. Yeah, Indian food. And I saw a David Chang um, episode about this. Oh, yeah? Uh, what's that show called? What's that show called? Crazy no, Delicious not crazy. is one of them, but... Uh, no, uh, Ugly Delicious. Ugly Delicious. Ugly Delicious. I saw an episode where he did on Ugly Delicious on Indian food, and David Chang just knows so much about food, uh, Korean food, um, uh, Japanese food, Chinese food, all, like the, all the East Oriental food and, yeah. and American food, but he has no idea about Indian food. Indian food, yeah. It's actually... It can be very difficult because uh, they deal with a lot of different spices yeah. in that kind of cuisine, but... Uh, they all blend so incredibly well. Oh, dude. It's so comforting. You get a lot of yogurt dishes, yogurt-based, mm-hmm. but uh, that's what adds a lot of creamy textures to it and mm-hmm. basically gives you that comfort, homey, home-cooked meal, basically. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. I'll, I'll do I'll do last one. Sure. I'll do last one. All right. Shouts out to... Shouts out to Lotus. Nice. Shouts out to Lotus. In Canby. Um, for pho. number five, pho, pho, pho food. You know what's crazy? People have all been calling it pho. Yeah. But I only learned maybe like eight years ago that it was actually pronounced pho. Yep. Which is crazy because and people ha- still call it pho. They do to this day, and they have no idea it's actually pronounced pho. Yeah. And like you'll even be like, oh no, sorry, it's not pronounced that. It's pronounced pho. Yeah. And then they'll like to think that they're the ones that are right. Yeah. Like, no, it's pho. It's spelled P H O pho. No, it's pho. <laughs> so you know a person actually knows their food if they say pho or pho. Uh, yep. Their experience for sure. Yeah, they know their experience. But yeah, pho is, um, for pho, get lotus. 
that's the hangout, especially because I grew up in the Canby area. Exactly. Yeah. And even Vietnamese style coffee is good. Oh, with, yes. With a pho dish because yes. it's just comforting. Oh, yeah. That, when the way they put it in with uh, condensed milk. Oh, oh, boy. That's that's so good. Yeah. That's another world. Dude, we can keep going on. <laughs> As boys who grew up in Richmond, that's the thing. And if you grew up in Richmond, it was like the mall and restaurants. Yeah, pretty much. It really was. And it was cool because it gave you a really uh, cultured experience understanding of the world around you um that you wouldn't get anywhere else no because food is a gateway to other cultures yeah. and to understanding other places absolutely yeah yeah shouts out to richmond <laughs> all the richmond. good spaces there okay i gotta i gotta take it close it with this what's the weirdest food combo weirdest for you? food combo oh man you got i would say like oh but before that okay. if people um, hold on, i just want to so for you listening, if you grew up in Richmond, tell us or tell me what are the places people got to go check out? Uh, what were the places if you had someone out of town um, and they came to visit and you were to show them around Richmond, what would be the restaurants you'd take them to? Because automatically you'd be like, oh, I got to take you to a bunch of restaurants. Where are your go-to spots? Those are some of the go-to spots I'd take people to. That's because I'm familiar with it. Those are places you knew. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep, yep, you're familiar sure. with it. But if you're listening, yeah, tell us. Where are the go-to spots? I'd love to hear some new stuff too. Oh, exactly. And that's barely scratching the surface. There's so many other restaurants there uh, that uh, we are not even aware of. Like some of the places we are talking about um, are stuff that we're familiar with. And there's a whole handful of things we haven't even ventured into. There's still going to be new restaurants being opening till this day. And that can be something so incredible. Yeah. So those are some of the places... Tell me, send me an email, slide in the DM, shout out to my teacher. Oh, you should have referenced this place. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear it. But anyway, weird food combos. Let's go there. What are your favorite weird food combos? My favorite weird food combos. Yeah. What do you what do you combine oh. as a line chef? Like in your time as a line chef, what are some really interesting things that you've learned? Oh, okay. I gotta I gotta bring up one new thing that I actually started experiencing with at my current job. Okay. Um so basically I uh, made this one wrap. That consisted of a chicken breast, yeah, uh, that has been seasoned in Cajun spice, mm-hmm. and then you'd grill it, mm-hmm. and then I would put unagi glaze on it, which is an eel sauce. Unagi glaze, yeah. Wait, so take me back. So a a wrap, yeah. So like using a tortilla wrap. Okay. Um, you're mixing uh, cultures now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's a that's a fun thing too. While you're working yeah. in a kitchen, you get to deal with so many different foods, and you can create something so different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and basically uh, grilling that glazing with uh, unagi glaze and throwing a slice of cheddar cheese let that melt and then uh, throw that in a wrap with lettuce tomato onion a little bit of mayonnaise mm. you'd think it would taste weird right with all those different seasonings and sauces and whatnot but uh, diving into that holy crap i thought that was dude, something so incredible dude, you gotta take a picture of that and send it to me so i, I can will put on the next instagram. time i make it i'll send you a picture <laughs> send me a picture so i can put it on the instagram <laughs> yeah for sure yeah okay but that's gotta be one of the most weirdest things i've made and even like a lot of people would look at me and be like what the hell is that dude i'll be like try it <laughs> and be your like, mind would just melt actually oh dude that sounds good yeah that sounds good okay connor yes shout out to my teacher shouts out to chef t chef t shouts out to your dad yep and we've just barely scratched the surface of understanding food. Yeah, we've basically is, just talked is... about what we love about Richmond yeah. and other random stuff yeah. about being a line chef. What are things that you also wish people knew about being a line chef? 
if I could end off with that. Uh, I got to try to think about that because, you know, you, you can think about working in a kitchen and, you know, people got one job and it's cooking food for a customer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know, to be honest. For people to understand that they're not even aware of, I would say, the culture, I mm. guess, you know? Um, people like to assume that uh, working in a kitchen, which they're not wrong, it can be really hard, stressful. A lot of people can tend to get angry really quickly. Yeah. But... Um, the one good thing is that you know that you're basically one big family in there. Mm. There's a lot of cool connections that people have in that restaurant. And that mm-hmm. even though you go through the good, the bad, the ugly, in the end, everyone just pulls through and is all happy, jolly people in the end. That <laughs> is awesome. Yeah. Let's end on a positive note. For sure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Hit me out to music. Adios. <laughs> See, give me give me a give me a what it do baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you made it. That's awesome. Well done, y'all. Hey, everyone. If you like this episode, if you like the show, make sure to subscribe, like, favorite, or follow, whether you're using Spotify, Apple, Anchor, or wherever else you get your podcasts. For updates, you can follow on Instagram at ShoutToMyTeacher or whatever I'm posting on Facebook. Consider sharing this show with family and friends by word of mouth or social media if you can relate to these experiences or if you enjoy listening to different voices talk about the role models that influenced or inspired them. This is the beginning of a new hobby for me, passion project, and it's just a lot of fun and I'd love to connect with a variety of people. If you want to come on the show, if you're a teacher and you want to talk shop, if you're not a teacher and you just want to shout out someone and promote something, you're welcome to message me to come on the show. I'm up for a session. Preparing for something like this is great for personal, professional reflection and development. But whatever we talk about, you got to give a shout out to the teacher, coach, mentor, role model that has influenced or inspired you. Until then, this is Anthony, high school teacher and hobby podcaster. Hope you're all having a good summer so far and hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Peace out.